I'm Hemant Metta. I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. Jessica recently attended the Amazing Meeting, a skeptics conference in Las Vegas, where she had the chance to talk to a number of amazing people. For this episode, I was joined by bloggers Vandy Beth Glenn, Beth Ann Erickson, and Rebecca Bradley from the Skeptic Inc. Blog Network. We had a great talk about blogging in the skeptics and atheist community and some of our favorite blog posts. Welcome to the podcast for the Friendly Atheist. Uh, this is Jessica Blimpy. I'm here at TAM, uh, TAM 2014, and I am joined today by... Vandy Beth Glenn. And what do you do? I'm a blogger at, with the Skeptic Inc. Network. I have a, I have a blog called Transubstantiation, and I'm a, I'm a transgender woman and a civil rights pioneer, and I've been coming to, to TAM since 2011. My name is Beth Ann Erickson, and I, uh, I do PR and copywriting in my real job. I also write for Skeptic Inc. at Incongruent Elements, and that comes from the advertising term that the best persuasion comes from the juxtaposition of incongruent elements as an, an honest liar. I mean, it's just two things that these kind of jarring, and it's really cool. Um, this is my first TAM. I'm Rebecca Bradley. It's also my first TAM, though not my first conference. The last conference I went to was 20 years ago. It was still Psychop, and the um, lead speaker was Carl Sagan. Uh, I am a retired archaeologist, and I also write science fiction fantasy and a blog for the Skeptic Inc. Network, like these guys. And it's, um, and it's called The Lateral Truth, and it uh, is a mixture of uh, talking about pseudo-archaeology and psychotic messiahs and things like that. Sure, of course. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, I, I met you all the other day when you were doing your um, workshop about just about kind of blogging and skepticism. So does anyone, excuse me, want to give kind of a little overview about what your that workshop was about? Anybody? Uh, sure. Well, the subtitle was The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which um, I think was chosen just to give us a, a loose framework around which to to design our remarks. Um, our, our colleague Jacques, of course, um, used the excuse to make up a bunch of slides referencing the, the spaghetti western, the good, the bad, and the ugly um, with Clint Eastwood. Um, I decided to focus on the good, um, more specifically, uh, how, to, how to find ideas for, for skeptic, skeptic blog posts. Because mm-hmm. I, I had been blogging for a while at my own at my own um, website when, when I was invited to join the Skeptic Inc. Network. And my, initially I was concerned that I would have trouble thinking of things to post about because I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I don't, have a, I don't have a formal background in the sort of topics that, that are normally discussed in, in skeptic circles. Well, I, I completely understand that fear when I started writing for Friendly Atheist two years ago. I definitely, and I'm not sure if you all have had this experience, but I had that moment of like, why am I right now? Like, why does anybody care what I have to say? What, what am I bringing to the table? That's interesting. But you and I definitely have a different approach to blogging because I do almost all news-based stuff. Like, something's happened in the news. I'm going to relate it and probably make fun of somebody because that's sort of my jam. Um, but you tend to do more of this happened to me today and this is what I'm thinking about. Is that... An accurate summation? Um, like, this is a, a thing I experienced, and let's talk about it. 
or is that not? I guess that's I guess that's fair. I I never thought about it in those terms. I do I do generally not post about things that are newsworthy mm-hmm. because I'm such a I'm such a slow writer and so prone to procrastination. By the time I, the post actually got up, it would be something that nobody even remembers mm-hmm. anymore. So uh, yes, I try not to, I try not to be sensitive to that sort of to the news cycle when I write my posts. I, Generally, I just I just live my life um, as I said in the in the workshop, and mm. when something occurs, when when something happens to me, or I read something or hear something that sounds a little a little off or questionable, then I'll research it and then and then write a post uh, about it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a post there. What about the two of you? Well, I like you. I don't think fast enough for the news, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I'm a. This is Rebecca. Uh, I think I'm a, a reasonable writer, but a very bad blogger because I don't do it fast enough. I, I blog on the OCD model, where everything has to be researched and re-researched and re-re-re-researched. It's sort of like you know, I'm an ex-academic. What can I say? <laughs> and and then it has but to be. Basically, we're telling you we're deeply dysfunctional people. Yeah, we're deeply <laughs> dysfunctional, uh, which. Well, anyway, so so by the time I get a blog post up, I'm sick of it. <laughs> and and uh, uh, it can take me, you know, we, we are supposed to blog. Our, our terms of contract with the Skeptic Inc. Network is we're supposed to do it at least once every two weeks. And I get a blog post up and I think, that's it for now. And then, boy, those two weeks go quick. <laughs> but you know, I, I try and do at least once a week, actually. But, um, no, I... I tend to be very much more in the academic, put up an article that, that has been vetted to where I could try and you know send it to a magazine sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely different from my experience. Mine mm-hmm. is literally, I read about a thing and like write about it and it could be up within an hour. Yeah. So if there are typos, that is why. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about you? Well, no, this, this is where it gets kind of interesting because the people skeptic and got like super smart to their PhDs. They're all these fabulous. And then there's me. <laughs> I'm like you. My, my life has been advertising. I don't know why I'm there. I, sometimes I, I keep asking my son, why, why am I a skeptic ink? And he's like, well, you're the comic relief. Um, I'm like you. I find a news story and my whole life since I've been writing advertising has been about persuasion. How uh-huh. to persuade. And I spend all, you know, I'll write for a while and I'll put on my earbuds and I'll listen to some John Carlton who's one of my heroes, uh, on, on my walk, and then or I'll, then, then I'll write for a while, then I'll put in my earbuds, I'll listen to Bob Bly for a while, and he's, he's talking about all these other little techniques to persuade and such. And the reason I write skeptically, you know, for Skeptic Inc. is because I am fascinated by the way we try to persuade each other in the skeptic community, and we're really bad persuaders, generally Within speaking. It or all persuade of it. other people? All of it. How we persuade each other, how... how um, religious people try to persuade each other or persuade us and you know the, the persuasion process is just utterly fascinating to me and so when I approach my writing on Skeptic Inc it's, it's generally pretty short because generally my readership in my real job have short attention spans I've spent years studying the National Enquirer to master that really easy reading style and and you know, because if, if you're going to sell, you have to you have to reach the actual you know the, the general public mm-hmm. and, and that's Sadly, what I do, and I, I'm like totally odd man out, but that's okay. That's oh, she, she's far too modest. She's very smart. Yes. <laughs> well, and there's a place for that. We can't all 
you know, be talking about big, broad concepts. There has to be a place for quick ideas and, you know, kind of bite-sized nuggets of yeah, information, yeah. right? I, 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 well, I would hope that there's room for us. Because here we are. <laughs> you and I. We're, you know, but yeah, I mean, there has to be room for everybody in, in the skeptical movement, you know, is isn't isn't the point not so much to persuade but we want to plant I, I want to plant seeds of doubt and get people thinking I want to start we, we don't do enough thinking and, and I, as an advertiser I can attest to the fact people don't think a lot <laughs> it's far too easy sometimes to kind of sort of guide them but if you teach someone to kind of start looking for other sources right. of information you know don't just read one for example don't read, just read Huffington Post I also read Drudge Report because I want to understand mm-hmm. I want to understand I watch MSNBC in the end, I watch Fox News and I watch CNN and CNN doesn't, you know. But, you know, you want to, you want to kind of know what everybody is thinking, especially if you want to ever like target a post to these people, you want to speak their language. If you want to target a post to these people, you want to speak their language. It's all about communication and, and unless you have communicate, a lot of communication is about listening, just listening mm-hmm. because you want, until you can understand People don't believe dumb things for no reason. They don't think those beliefs are dumb. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to change their mind by insulting them. You're not going to change their mind by demeaning them. You certainly aren't going to change their mind by calling them names. Mm-hmm. You have to make a connection. And until we learn how to make a connection, you know, there's an old saying in internet marketing, know me, like me, trust me, buy from me. So you have to get let people know you, and then they might like you if you're likable <laughs> trust me and then maybe the the buy from me part in our world is maybe they'll start thinking mm-hmm. we may not always agree I don't want to agree because <clears throat> sometimes I'm wrong <laughs> I never oh, yeah I hate that so much I wish I was queen of the world I wish I knew everything mm-hmm. but I'm so not <laughs> I'm so not one thing you said in your talk I think it was you when you talked about that moment of embarrassment when you walked out of the bathroom and had your fourth grade. I tucked the back of my dress into the into the hem, or into the waistline of my tights. I'll never forget that feeling. I sashayed into the classroom and all of a sudden, my, the boy I had a crush on laughed at me. It hurt so much. But it's that it's that feeling of exposure. You know, mm-hmm. you know what what are we selling? You you when you write. You're selling yourself. We are our own products, and we have to somehow let them get to know us. And when our readers get to know us, it's a feeling of vulnerability that really can hurt, especially when sometimes someone will come in, and I have been called bad names. And I don't ask for much, and I'm not always right, and I don't pretend to know I'm right. Even today, there was a controversial talk yesterday, and I, I mentioned it was one of my favorites because it made me think about things that I hadn't thought of before. I may be wrong on some things, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because I, too, get a little rush when I realize I've changed my mind. Yeah, and I think... Based on new evidence. Exactly. <laughs> We're doing it. Makes me feel smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it is, there is a feeling of exposure as a blogger because they... And I think everybody here writes under their, their name. Nobody... Yeah. Because right. there are definitely people who write under pseudonyms, which is Fine. a completely understandable mm-hmm. step to take. I, I When I started writing for the blog a couple years ago, I was cautioned by people saying, are you sure this is the right thing for you to do for your for your career, for your life? Because you Google my name and it's friendly atheist all day. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, I mean, that's a risk. That's a risk you can take to be attached to that. Have um, you had any blowback from it? Well, it's hard to say. Um, 
I, I, I haven't that I know of, but I also spent a lot of my time job hunting while, and who knows? And I'm not going to pretend that I had a hard time finding a job because of that, because that sure. seems dumb to just blame it. But I also can't say that, because people Google it. There's know? no way you can know. There's no way to know about it. That being said, if I hadn't started doing the blog, I never would have gotten the job I have now, because you know I write for a living now, and I had amassed this massive body of work because I wrote for the blog. Mm-hmm. So it, either way, I know it opened more doors than it potentially could have shut, I think. Well, you win a few. <laughs> I have to think that. You win a few, you lose a few. That's kind of what life is like, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, I, when I started, I was just stupid. I was like, yeehaw, I got a new blog. And I just wept up my name thinking there would be no repercussions. And then a few days later, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm kind of a shoot, ready shoot, yeah. men aim kind of gal, unfortunately. What do you guys think? Yeah, have either of you had repercussions that you can... None that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly not from my skeptic blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I am I am unemployed right now. Um and, and looking for work, and um, you know, any, I just assume that employ, potential employers are going to Google my name now, sure. and, and so any any job I apply to, they're going to find they're going to learn that I, I was a plaintiff in a federal lawsuit, and I sued a previous employer for firing me. So I I have to think that that's going to enter into the calculus of, of any employer when they decide whether to hire me. Right, but you can't. You know, you have to do the right thing at that time. And I don't know. That's yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's it's not like it's not like I can hide it. There's right. there's no. And so you know, by the time I'm, I it came to skeptical blogging, there was already so little mystery left about about who I am that, oh. that um, I don't I don't think there's much potential harm in, in what I do as a skeptic. Sure. What about in the academic world? I mean, I feel like the academic world tends to skew more skeptically. Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not writing for the academic world. I'm writing from the perspective of one who was bathed in it for decades. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, mo- most of my blog posts are not really controversial. They're more sort of um, informational and... and uh, analytical and so forth. I, I have done the odd um, controversial one and did get some blowback from it, which is fine. You know, you have to expect that I'm a chill girl, yay, uh, <laughs> or I've been called such, and, and a few other names as well. But you know, you roll with the punches. Um, if if everybody in the world liked what you wrote on the internet, there'd be something wrong with what you wrote. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, so, you know, uh, and I get a, some uh, some of the pseudo archaeology ones I do, um, analyzing things like I you know, did one on Graham Hancock and uh, oh a few others, and and got some Graham Hancock fans on saying, "Don't you know that uh, archaeology is a I can't remember how it was put, but archaeology is a." A, a priesthood trying to keep out the amateurs, etc. And uh, a priesthood? Oh, a priesthood. Well, yes, a, a closed brotherhood where only initiates are allowed to have um, opinions. So it's mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it's the same as with uh, pseudo medicine, mm-hmm. uh, 
alternative health, that sort of thing, where um, people who actually have academic expertise that they have studied for decades Mm -hmm. to to, to get and and worked in and so forth are regarded as um, suspect because they are on the inside of the, the academic world and the amateurs kind of find them very suspicious. Um, they they uh, think that their ideas are being rejected because those of us on the inside, the initiate, the priesthood, mm-hmm. are closed-minded. Uh, whereas, in fact, mostly we've seen the same ideas that they're bringing forward as new ideas debunked again and again and again. We're aware of the whole database. We know why those ideas make no, no, no sense at all. But no, no, no. It's because we're a closed-minded initiate. So I had, you know, got some blowback like that every so often, but mm, that's life. It's going to come with the with yeah. the territory. Yeah. Um, not to put anybody on the spot, but can you all think of a blog post that you're just like specifically really proud of? Like, I really nailed this one. I feel good about it. And I got good response. Does anything come to mind? Oh, um, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote one a few months ago that I titled "Truth Matters." Um, which was inspired by something a, a friend of mine said on on Facebook. He, you know, there are all these all these sites these days that are, are I guess, satirical, but they're not actually funny, mm. and their content is actually not really far enough away from reality for you, you to easily yep. mark them as satire. Um, uh, so, that, like, they're it's like they're trying to be the onion, but they don't really know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine posted one of these on, on a, you know, a link to one of these stories on Facebook, and I and I responded, you know, I don't, I'm pretty pretty sure that's a fake, that's fake news. I mean, you know, characterized a particular political persuasion in a particular manner. Um, and uh, and his response was, well, okay, maybe this was. F- fictional story, but I know there are people like this. I have had that exact same interaction. And it was right. somebody who I otherwise respected, and it was exactly. I can't believe so and so said this, and I said I don't think that's real. And he was like, "Well, just she probably would say that." I was like, exactly. "Oh, that's and, you can't do that." Yeah, and I was I made I made this post that I titled "Truth Matters," and and um, I, I related that anecdote, and I also talked about Dan Quayle. Um, as, you know, I remember, I remember. You know, there are there are all sorts of jokes about Dan Quayle's many misstatements when he was vice president, mm-hmm. and and one that was very famous um, was um, after after a trip to South America. He's um, he's reported to have said, "I wish I'd studied Latin when I was in school, so I could have understood the people in Latin America better." Um, yes, but he didn't actually say that. So he never said that. But I remember at the time, I, I learned that he had not actually said that when someone shared it with me, and, and the person said, "Well, yes, but he really is dumb enough to have said that." And um, so my post was, "Truth matters." Was was basically saying that the truth is important, mm-hmm. and and we're we're basically creating a, a fictional reality for ourselves. When we when we act as if literal truth is not is not something that is important, yeah, um, and it got a lot of it got a lot of positive attention from people, and I, and I was I was very proud of the sentiment. 
It's great to put something out that you're just like, mm-hmm. I nailed that. I did great. Right. How about you? Uh, I think <clears throat> probably one of my favorite posts was one that I wrote about. Um, I, last year I was diagnosed with cancer, and it was, it was an awful year. But what, well, the one thing that made it probably worse than anything is I got a ton of email from people telling me to read this book called The China Study because if I only went vegan, the, my cancer cells would dissolve and disappear and I would become, I don't know, I'd probably become wealthy and rich also, I don't know. Um, and so I was doing research on this phenomenon. I wondered, whoa. If, if, I, of course, talked to my oncologist, and he said, uh, no. <laughs> and so I, I, I thought, eh, this could be a little post. And, and there's really nothing written skeptically about um, this China study in T. Colin Campbell into, uh, that, that would rank really well in Google. And so I kept digging and digging and digging. And I found, you know, there, there was just a little bit on Quack Watch. But then I found Harriet Hall had written some really great takedowns of it. And um, I think I found another one. And so I was able to, through all this, you know, write a post with a search engine optimized. You know, T. Colin Campbell claims he can cure cancer. And then, and then slowly take down some of the claims and um, explain why, you know, first of all, it was not peer-reviewed. Second of all, it was a kind of, he used a casein, which is some crazy milk protein that nobody eats in its pure form. Thirdly, it was... He could reverse cancer in the liver of genetically modified rats. I mean, you kind of seen how some, and so the vegans have taken the saying, "Don't drink, eat dairy because it'll give you cancer." And so, I mean, it was kind of cool that way. And I'm, um, I don't know what kind of traffic it gets because I don't really keep track of traffic, but I do know that that post is doing pretty decent on Google. So if somebody, if somebody is diagnosed with cancer. They can Google T. Colin Campbell, and hopefully they'll find that, mm-hmm. and maybe just maybe they'll get treatment. And I don't know; it just made me feel like goosebumps just thinking about, you know, all the alternative health people. You know, as I was researching this, I found whole forums where they were saying, "Don't get colonoscopies, don't get mammograms. You don't want to get in the medical industrial complex." <laughs> you know, and I was like, they found my cancer. I had no symptoms. I had nothing. I mean, I was perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. Went in for my colonoscopy. I was ready to go home and eat a piece of watermelon. They said, "You can't go home. You have got state. You got this huge tumor." I would never have known. I would. Have been, they said it would have been inoperable in two years. I'd be dead in five, and only be only because I happened happened to go in, and my doctor said, "Yes, you're a certain age. You'll go and get it." You know, I'm alive because of preventative screening, and I don't know, it just really, really, really angers me when I see an anonymous internet doctor advising people he's never seen to not follow their family physician's recommendations. And so that's why I'm the most proud of that post, because I'm hoping it can make a little difference in the world somehow. That's That's amazing. That's a very hard act to follow. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. Mine sounds so trivial. Um, I'm I'm doing a a series on messiahs, as I said, um, that kind of traces out all the things that all sorts of different cults and movements and so forth have in in, uh, common. And, you know, anyone can trash Jim Jones or L. Ron Hubbard or people like that. But I, I was very pleased with the one I did trashing Gandhi. 
Wow. And, you know, uh, well, just showing the darker side and showing what characteristics he had in common with with all sorts of other um, people whose uh, reputations are far more malignant. And that that was, you know, um, a lot of people would consider that on the same level with trashing Jesus. But you know, I, I'm working up to trashing Jesus. <laughs> so that that was that was a fun one. What kind of response did you get? Because I know Christopher Hitchens famously would um, trash Mother Teresa. Oh yeah, that was his kind of jam for a while. Why did you yeah. gesture at me when you said that? I just because <laughs> you're clearly if somebody in this room is Mother Teresa, it's probably you. Okay. You're probably Gandhi. I'll talk to that. Uh, yeah. Do you want to be like MLK or? Because I'm so old. <laughs> I'll be um, MLK. Okay. I have a dream. You do have a dream. Actually, I, I the people who responded to that one were people saying, "Good for you." Yeah. Yeah, uh, and. You know, I, I've been thinking the same thing for some time. Or, or uh, someone of um, uh, subcontinental extraction who said, "I'm so glad to see Gandhi's dark side exposed." And really? Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't actually get blowback on that one. I have had on some others, but uh, you know, I was a little surprised because I thought I would have the, you know, uh, sure. A lot of people saying, "How can you?" Say such things about this modern saint. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Any, any, or anything like it. Right. Oh, if you want to know why, read my blog. Touche. Good sales. There you go. I like that a lot. Yes. Um, so, let's see, this is first hand for yes, first the two of you. Mm-hmm. And second? Fourth. Fourth. Mm-hmm. I was close. I was going to get there eventually. Um, yeah. It's my second time for... Th- what do you guys think? What are your impressions? Yeah, it's fun. Boy, is it fun. And there's food all over it. Free food. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I guess we've paid for it, really. <laughs> but, you know, it looks free. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful to find out I'm not alone. I, I live in a small community, and I'm just thrilled to have met these ladies. and You guys have never met before? Yeah, never met before. That's a great no. thing. We met the, oh, that's so first lovely. Time we met skeptic inkers and... Yes, yeah. so there are three others of us around. There's, there's Jacques Rousseau mm-hmm. and Ed Clint and Wendy Hughes. And, mm-hmm. well, we did that, that thing, that uh, workshop together. Uh-huh. Except for Ed, who couldn't be here today. We've emailed before, like, but that's it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we kind of knew each other. You know, Facebook, email, mm-hmm. but... They're all better looking in, in person, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that a comment or is that trashing their photography skills? Hmm. I'm just Be saying that one how you stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm way more adorable and good looking when I'm not on film. <laughs> the film, I tell them, make me, make me like, taller, thinner, and younger. They never do. I don't really can do that. Make my voice young and gorgeous. <laughs> That's on you, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a common thread is that people, you know, even I, I live in Chicago. I'm, most of my friends are at most not believers, and I can freely talk about the fact that I'm an atheist, but still, there's something about being here that is, is the sense of community is very real. And very, Betty didn't answer. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> as I said, this is my fourth, and it, it seems like something something really cool happens happens to me every year. Like one year I met Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and 
last year I met I met Ed Clint at the Skeptic Inc. table and, and talked to him for a while and gave him my card and that's what led to, to my becoming uh, a member of the Skeptic Inc. Oh, really? Club. Right. So that that's a Tam. Yeah, that would not have happened if I had not come to Tam. Right. Um, and of course, this year I was a presenter for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was very very exciting, very rewarding, and something I'd like to do again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think as a as a skeptic, I become I become a little bit better established each year, and, and Tam is definitely a big part of that. Yeah, and I think we should say a word thanking Ed Clint for his hard work in getting the skeptic yes. together, and and kind of sort of talking some of this into being. He is amazing. Yeah, I interviewed him last year, and we have since become friendly, and he's mm-hmm. could be a nicer guy. Mm-hmm. He's a really wonderful person. A lot of work. Should we invite him? What's he doing? Oh, he's he's here, there, everywhere. Yeah, like the Scarlet Pimpernel. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think um, we're his proxies. Yeah, we're here on his behalf. He sends us to do all the dirty work. What's he thinking right now? Lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Clairvoyant on top of it all. Who'd have thought it's at Tam? We'd find a clairvoyant. Uh, Well, you know, we're starting to get close to half hour, so. I don't know, I usually try to think of a clever last question. Well, tell us what you think of Tam. That's how we'll end it. What do you think of Tam? Because everyone's like, we need more Jessica talking. Um, (laughs) I, you know what, I came here last year and I had no idea what to expect. And it was truly remarkable. I had the opportunity to sit down with these people who I've admired for so long. And I think, if I had to sum it up, I feel like, and I, I bet you can relate to this, I feel like everybody around me is so much smarter than me, and I'm, but somehow I feel smarter around them. You know? What? Osmosis. Yeah. Well, it's just, I don't feel repressed by no. how smart everybody is. Mm-hmm. I feel... Empowered to do a little reading when I get home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Um, so, if everybody wants to give their either Twitter or just restate your blog where people can find you... We'll do that to close up, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Um, my Twitter handle is Red Velvet Cakes, at Red Velvet Cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, my my Skeptic Inc. Network blog is is uh, skepticinc.com slash ts, and the, the full name is, is Transubstantiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I also blog at my own personal site, which is vandybethglenn.com. Great. Um... My uh, Twitter handle is Beth Ann Erickson. Um, I my Skeptic Ink space is incongruent elements, and then I also have a, a I don't know it, it's a PR blog BethAnnErickson.com, but I don't know if it's really relevant for the. I mean, I, I, I have to stick to the same name because I just can't remember all the pseudonyms. And, <laughs> I'm not gonna remember incongruent elements. Um, yeah, uh, I don't tweet. I. I just never got into that yet. I, I need a lesson. Um, uh, and I'm bad at it. The blog, I, Rebecca Bradley, the blog is uh, skepticinc.com slash lateral truth, all one word. Um, and that's me. Okay. Well, I want to thank all three of you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. I'm really thank glad y'all could make it. Yeah. Um, and thank you for joining us as well at home or in the car or, or wherever you. you are. And thank you. Oh.
Thank you, guys. Um, and so this has been uh, the blog for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can always find more information at um, FriendlyAtheist.com. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. Our theme song was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. And thanks to Michael Greif for helping us with on-site recording. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you join us next time.